Yo, 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 yo. What's good, everybody? What's good? What's good? Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Die Isaiah Kid Podcast, IKP. Welcome back. Oh, boy. So, obviously, Saturday episode. You know how we get down on Saturday episodes. Uh, obviously, I'm recording this on Friday, but by the time you guys hear this, it will be Saturday. Um, or whenever you decide to play this, but this is a Saturday episode. We got a lot to get into. Obviously, the NBA draft, the NBA draft has transpired. We got obviously the block, the blockbuster trade between the Wizards and the Lakers. Russell Westbrook is now the newest member of the Lakers. So NBA free agency. Don't forget NBA free agency. I think starts August the second. Uh, NBA free agency starts August the second. So. You know, this whole this I'm gonna be jumbling a lot. It's gonna be a lot of information that I'm gonna be that I'm gonna be rambling and jumbling um, upon over these next couple of weeks with MV, with free agency and you know the draft and uh, preseason going into the NFL regular season, college football, so forth, whatever, baseball. Uh, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! We are literally watching an arms race between. Uh, MLB contenders. Max Serger went to the Dodgers. Uh, Joey Gallo went to the Yankees. I mean, Anthony Rizzo is a Yankee. Chris Bryant is a giant. So it's a lot of movement within baseball teams that's really, really trying to solidify um, you know, their positioning within, you know, the hierarchy, the hierarchy in um, baseball. So it's a lot to get into. Let's not waste any time. But first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast, the IKP. Um, shouts out to all the first time listeners. Shouts out to all the uh, regular listeners. Uh, shouts out to anybody that have listened to this podcast and have shared it with a friend. Shouts out to everybody that's listening. I greatly appreciate it. Now, Obviously, let's start with the Lakers and Russell Westbrook. Like I said, Russell Westbrook is the newest Laker uh, or the newest member of the Los Angeles Lakers, I to say. Uh, and right before the draft, obviously, we, we you know, there was rumors swirling around. First, it's so funny. It's so funny. Before the Russell Westbrook trade happened, it, 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 you know, according to reports, the Kings and Lakers were in talks and they were very close to getting a deal done. And that would that would send Buddy Hill to the Lakers and, you know, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Herald uh, and KCP, I, I would assume, to the Kings. But then the Wizards probably got on the phone and then this happened. So let me give you guys the trade details. Um the Wizards, obviously, they get Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Catavius Caldwell Pope, and the number 22 um, overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. They already made that pick, right? Uh, and then the Lakers obviously receive Russell Westbrook along with twenty uh, with, uh, with a 2024 second-round pick and a 2028 second-round pick. So that is what happened, and that was the first splashy move within, uh, I, I would guess, like the NBA free agency, quote-unquote, right? So let's get into it. The Lakers basically have formed their their big, their big three. They have formed their big three. And, I'm, and I must admit, I'm looking at the Dodgers super team. I mean, I'm going to get to that. I'm, I'm going to get to that. But 
I'm looking at the Lakers' big three, right? LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, right? And there, 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 there's, there's parts of this trade, and I know, and, and if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you probably already know what route I'm going, um, uh, and what angle I'm going to take this with Russell Westbrook, right? Um, because people, people know my stance on Russell Westbrook, and people think I'm a Russell. Some people call me a Russell Westbrook hater. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a hater. Uh, I, I just tell it like it is. It's just the truth, and I've always, I've long said this on this podcast. Um, and I, this has probably been the most consistent thing that I have ever said on this podcast. And it's the fact that Russell Westbrook, as dynamic as he is, he's very box office. He, he, he's, he, he plays with relentless effort all the time, every night, 82 nights. He comes with it with, with, with 110%. And he's and, and you know he fills up the stat sheet and so forth, but his style of play, his approach to the game, I have long said, I don't think that style of play is conducive to winning championships. I don't think it's championship winning basketball. Um, and and, and twelve years, what what now? What this is year now? He's going into year thirteen, so going into year thirteen. Um, at the age of 33, because in no, I think his birthday is on in November. So age of 33, he turns 33 in November. He still has the same game. The, he still has the same the same style of play, um, and it hasn't won him any championships. And he's played alongside some great players. Um, he you look at the players that he's going to play with this year in LA. LeBron James is, in, in some people's eyes, the greatest player to ever touch a basketball. Anthony Davis is, you know, it, it's, it looks like he's going to have an all-time great career if he can stay healthy, right? But he's played with Kevin Durant, a league MVP, James Harden, a league MVP, Bradley Beal, a, a guy who led the league in scoring. He's played with a litany of talent. And Russell Westbrook still decides to play his style of basketball, which, once again, in my opinion, I deem, I don't think it's conducive to winning championships. I just don't think with that style of play, with the erratic playmaking and the erratic decision-making, along with the inefficient jumper, jumper, I just don't think you can win championships with that style of play. Now, I'm going to say this. The reason uh, I, I I I don't like the fit as far with this trade I don't like the fit of it I don't like how these parts fit because first we don't know if these parts are going to fit with LeBron Westbrook and AD we don't know but the Lakers what I do know is over the last couple years the Lakers needed shooting they have lack perimeter shooting. And what did Rob Palenka and the Lakers do? They went out and traded for Russell Westbrook, the highest volume, lower lowest percentage three-point shooter at the point guard position in the NBA today. The Lakers needed shooting. Rob Palenka went out and got the highest volume, lowest percentage three-point shooter at the point guard position in the NBA. That's what he got. 
He it, that that's what Russell Westbrook is. He and I, I know about how he you know fills up the stat sheet. I get that part. But the Lakers needed shooting. The Lakers needed shooting. Um, and when I look at and I talked about how the Kings were close to making a, getting the deal done, though Buddy Hill isn't as good as a player as Russell Westbrook, right? I think we like all of us can agree with that. Buddy Hill isn't the player that Russell Westbrook is, but Buddy Hill for this Laker team is a better fit. Is a better fit. You can put talent together, but if it's not properly constructed, it doesn't mean anything. So I get it as to as to why the Lakers did this move because you know, if 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 we want to be if we want to be optimistic, if you if you're just one of these optimistic fans, if you want me to be optimistic about this situation, let me give it to you. I do think with the acquisition of Russell Westbrook, it it relieves LeBron of some of the ball handling duties, which will relieve some physical. Uh, you know, it 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 would bring down the physical play, and it, it it could preserve LeBron later on throughout the season, going into the postseason. That's that. So that's one thing. Um, Westbrook, I, I I I do like the fact that when AD and Westbrook is on the floor by themselves. I do like that combination. When LeBron is taking a break and it's Russ and AD, I like that combination. I like that one-two punch. I think that can be very lethal. But here is the thing. In the half-court game, when the game slows down, when the defenses get a little bit better in the postseason, when the coaching gets a little bit better in the postseason, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And who's going to take that back seat? Because in order for the Lakers to win a championship, I think we can all agree Anthony Davis has to be Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis can't play second or third fiddle. He, Anthony Davis, has to be Anthony Davis in order for the Lakers to win a championship. Point blank, period, right? Um, Russell Westbrook, over the years... He has shown us that he is totally, totally ineffective without the basketball. So I'm just very curious who do you take who who's gonna take the back seat? So that's a that's just a question of minds. But overall, I don't love this trade for the Lakers. Um I, I just don't I just don't see the fit. Now I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Lakers, Rob Palenka, LeBron James, and these guys. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt because free agency hasn't started yet. So I do want to see. I want to give the Lakers a chance to really fill out their roster. Even though I'm looking at the financial situation, that it's not a lot. It's not a lot they can do. Um, it's just not with the salary. It's just, with the salary cap, and you know, looking at the budget of the Lakers. It's just not it's not a lot what they can do, but I do want to see how they fill out this roster um with these three goods. I do. But in terms of the fit, I just have a lot of questions. Who's playing off the ball? Because we've seen the inability we've seen the ineffectiveness from both LeBron James and Russell Westbrook when they play off the ball. They're not as effective, they're not as good offensively they don't they don't have they, when they don't have the basketball um 
three-point shooting. Anthony Davis for his career is a 31% three-point shooter for his career. Russell Westbrook for his career is a 30% shooter um, from three. And then LeBron James, he shoots 34% from three. So statistically wise, statistically, you know, speaking, we're sticking to the percentages and numbers. LeBron percentage wise is their best three point shooter out of the three of those guys. So that's not a good sign. Anytime LeBron James is your best shooter out of your big three, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign at all. So I, I, I think this fit, it's going to be really interesting. I think the Lakers, and don't 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 take this out of context, I think the Lakers are going to be a pretty good team. They're going to still be a really good team. But do, once again, the style that Russell Westbrook plays, the uh, his approach to the game, I don't think equals championship winning basketball. And I'm looking at the fit with him, LeBron, and AD. You're going to have to really support them and surround them with a deadly shooting group. But with that being said, on that other on that other side of the basketball, you have to think about the defense because if you look at the Lakers and how they won the championship the year before last, they 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 they, they hang they they hang their hat on defense. Russell Westbrook athletically has always had the potential to be a pretty solid defender, but it has never materialized itself into being that way. He just hasn't been a great defender. And some of that, you can argue that some of that is because of, you know, the ball handling duties that he has and, you know, him trying to do so much on the offensive end where he just doesn't have the energy on defense. But the point is he has not been a great defender. And I, I just don't think he's going to become one, right? Uh, so when we're talking about it's it's a balancing act because we're, we obviously know the Lakers need shooting. But like I said, the year before last, when the Lakers won the NBA championship in 2020, they were a defensive-oriented team. They, they laid their hat on defense. So when you're signing some of these shooters, these shooters – aren't necessarily the greatest wing defenders. They're not necessarily the, 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 the best defenders on the other end on the side on the other end of the court. And this free and you know looking at this free agency class, this free agency class is not that good. It's not that appealing. Um I don't know what three and D guys would be available um that would be in the Lakers price range. So that that that's that's just a whole nother obstacle. But like I said, I'm willing to give this. I'm willing to give Rob Linka, um a chance to see how they fill out this roster and to support these three guys. But that's just the fact of the matter. And in the half court, in the half court set, when you're when you, in the half court set, when the game slows down in the postseason versus better defenses versus better coaches. Would it like how are the Lakers are gonna how are they gonna respond offensively? Because when you have and 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 literally, the, li- literally the Lakers did this to Russell Westbrook themselves the year before last, twenty twenty, in the bubble in the second round of the playoffs. The Houston Rockets won Game One. They went, they came out, and they shocked the Lakers in Game One, and they beat the Lakers in Game One. But for the rest of the series, do you you know what the Lakers did? You know what the Lakers did? The Lakers literally, literally left 
Russell Westbrook wide open from three. Like there's there like there's video evidence video evidence of it. They left him wide open from three, and he clanked. He missed because they knew they they knew they know he can't shoot. It's it, 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 like that's no secret around league circles. That's no secret. That's 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 on the scouting report. So I, I, I'm very curious to see how this really formulates, um, especially within the half court set. Like I said, they're going to be a really good team. It's, you know, they're going to be a really good regular season team. But the Lakers are about winning championships. And according to these three guys, they want to win a championship. Uh, I was reading the L.A. Times and, you know, we all the L.A. Times, they had this article outlining basically, you know, LeBron, A.D., Russbrook. They all met up a couple weeks ago and they talked about this, you know, forming this big three. Right. And, you know, Westbrook was like, hey, Bron, hey, hey, I give up some of the ball hand to lose. And, and, you know, LeBron said, oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, Russ. You have always had the ball in your hand. I play power forward. And then Anthony Davis comes out of nowhere and says, hey, hey, I'll play center. And it's and, and when when these teams are formed, we often hear stories like this where like they have this plan. And I think all in, I think these intentions are good. I think these guys' intentions are good. But the 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 you know, if we're trying to figure out whether or not this thing is gonna work, I just don't see it. Uh, I just don't like the fit whatsoever at all. So, you know, it, it's, we, they always have a plan, but we don't know what this team is going to look like in the half-court set. Simple as that. We just don't. When the game slows down, like, like, let me, let me, let me, let me give you guys this. LeBron, LeBron, so Anthony Davis is a 31% three-point shooter for his career. Russell Westbrook is a 30% three-point shooter for his career. LeBron James is a 34% three-point shooter for his career. What that like those percentages are bad. And LeBron out of the three, LeBron has the highest percentage and he's at 34%. That like that's just, that's just not good enough, right? That's just not good enough. So, uh, you know, I'm 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 curious to see how they, you know, continue to build around these guys but who takes the backseat you know who's going to be on the ball down the stretch who's going to be on the ball I'm just curious to know and sometimes when you're when you're accustomed to playing a certain way sometimes it's kind of it when you when you have to play a different style it can become a bit uncomfortable and those are the type of sacrifices that often has to be made when coming together and making these type of big three, big threes. But think about it like this. Look at LeBron's big three. Anytime LeBron has created a big three, whether it's in Miami or in Cleveland, the third wheel is the guy that turns into a glorified role player. Like in Miami, you know, obviously LeBron was the first option. D-Wade was the second option. Chris Bosh basically turned into a glorified stretch four. No disrespect to Chris Bosh. Uh, Cleveland, Kyrie Irving was the second option. LeBron was the first option. Kevin Love turned into a glorified stretch four. No disrespect to Kevin Love. That's just what it was. That was the fact. So I'm just very curious to know 
who's going to take the back seat. Just very curious to know who's going to take the back seat on this team. And I know a couple of people asked me about Dennis Struder. Um, so the next likely move that you will hear about or the next likely news that you will hear about and concerning Dennis Schroeder and the Lakers, it's probably going to include a sign and trade with Dennis Schroeder. Now, to where? Not sure. I keep hearing people mention the Sacramento Kings. I don't understand why the Kings would do that. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't understand why the Kings would do that. They 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 already have De'Aaron Fox, who they read they read up on De'Aaron Fox and his contract, right? They draft last year. They drafted Tyree uh, Tyrese Halliburton who seems to be really good. He's a really good player. Um, and they drafted last night Davion Mitchell. So why would they add Dennis Struder? So I don't know, but the Lakers, I don't think the Lake, I don't think Dennis Struder is going to be a Laker next year like that. I don't think that's happening. Um, so we'll see, but that's probably the likely news or the, the next likely move for Dennis Struder and the Lakers. It's going to be a sign and trade to where? Not sure. Um, but who in the hell knows what Sacramento is doing? Sacramento, they it's, it's a reason why they have the longest NBA playoff drought in in the league right now. It's a reason why. Because we don't know what direction they're going in. So we don't know. But I'm curious to see how this works out between Westbrook, LeBron, and AD. Okay, we're a little past 17 minutes into the IKP. I'm gonna move on to the MLB, um, the MLB Major League Baseball. Uh, a lot of moves, a lot of moves were being made. You you had teams that find themselves, you know, on the wrong side of the standings, becoming sellers. You know, there were there were a couple teams that you could tell they were tucking it in. They know that their playoff hopes are slim to none, and they became sellers before the deadline. And then there were teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, they, the Giants, the Padres. They either went out and acquired, um, you know, guys to really, you know, fulfill to fulfill their rotation or their bullpen, or their lineup, um, like the, the, you know, the, the, the Red Sox, they went out and got Kyle Schwaber, I, you know, all-star first, uh, first baseman, so, like, and the Red Sox, they have been, uh, like, they have probably over, they, they have overachieved in my book, the Red Sox have massively overachieved, um, they look like one of the better teams coming out of the American League, you know, between them, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, the Houston Astros, they 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 sit pretty. They and they're having like when you look at the Red Sox lineup, it's not they don't have necessarily the same caliber of star power that the you know that the Astros or the Dodgers or the Yankees may have as far as name. JD is a pretty good hitter. Um, but everybody else, Kike Hernandez is pretty good too. Um, uh, Devers is pretty good third baseman, but they, you know, it don't scream like championship caliber team, but offensively they have been one of the, they have been one of the more lethal teams with the bat. Um, and you know, with Chris Sale coming back, I, I think that's going to really help their road, their pitching rotation. So that should be really interesting, but they added Kyle Schwaber. The Yankees um, have been struggling 
with the bat. So they added a couple of big bats. Left-hander um, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is, uh, you know, a home run machine. He can hit. He can. He can smack him out the park. Uh, he goes yard a lot. Uh, Anthony Rizzo. They also add. They also added Anthony Rizzo, first baseman from the Cubs. So the Yankees clearly went out and tried to help their offense. They because they have for some reason they have been struggling with the bat. But the Dodgers, I think the Dodgers, the Dodgers, and the and before you know, doing this whole trading process before the trade deadline, I feel like the Dodgers may have stole and won the trading deadline. Now the Dodgers, mind you, the Dodgers have like they already had a really really good roster. I picked the Dodgers. I picked them so last year. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not saying this like get to give me props or, or like or, or a pat in the back because it wasn't necessarily a hard prediction. But last year, I predicted that the Dodgers would win the World Series. You know, looking at their lineup, looking at their rotation, I predicted that the Dodgers would win the World Series. And this year, I predicted that the Dodgers would get back to the World Series. Now the Giants, once again, similar to the similar, very similar to the Red Sox, they have overachieved. I didn't think the Giants would be this good um, this year. I like they 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 were they got they were better sooner than what I thought. They also added Chris Bryant, but I thought it was going to be more of a two-team race in the NL West between the Padres and the Dodgers. Um, but the Padres, they were interested in Max Serger. They they almost landed Mad Max, but the Dodgers came swooping in and they took Max Serger. And I'm looking at the Dodgers' uh, projected lineup as far as their bad. Like their this lineup is crazy. Like this lineup for the Dodgers is crazy. So if you don't know, the Dodgers did get their hands on Max Serger. Um, we all we should. I haven't talked about it much in this podcast. Um, but Trevor Boward, he probably will. He probably would never put on a, a Dodgers jersey ever again. Um, but he's the, he was the, Trevor Bauer was their ace. But uh, because of his situation with domestic violence, he he probably doesn't even play in the MLB again ever. Uh, so that that's that. But the Dodgers they needed this. They needed more. You know, they needed more bullpen help. And I'm looking at their – let me read you guys their lineup because this lineup is insane. You have Mookie Betts, who is a MVP caliber player, right? Um, Corey Seager, one of the best shortstops in baseball. Then you have Trey Turner, a, a, like an all-star quality second baseman slash shortstop. Um, then you got Max Muncy, one of the best power hitters at, at, the, at first base in the league that we have today. You have Justin Turner who seems like he's like the ages wonder. He gets better as he gets older. Um, he made his first All-Star game last year, and he I think he was an All-Star this year again. So Justin Turner, he, like it's some, for some reason, he just continues to get better. He's a really good player at third base, though. Uh, obviously, they have Cody Bellinger. Bellinger has struggled this year. He, 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 he hasn't quite been healthy. But we all know Bellinger is is a great hitter, um, but he, he just hasn't been healthy this year. Um, Will Smith and A.J. Pollock, not to mention 
They have Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, and now Max Serger. So that's that's damn near an all-star team. That's a National League all-star team. That's that's literally a National League all-star team. So <laughs> and <laughs> the Dodgers, they have their own super team. Like, like I don't the names that I've just read off for the Dodgers. I mean, we're talking about a whole bunch of silver sluggers, MVP, like we like the Dodgers, Mookie Betts, you know, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy. We, we I mean, we're talking about guys who are who are capable of hitting 30 plus home runs. We're talking about guys who are golden gloves. We're talking about guys who have won silver sluggers. We're talking about guys who have showed up in big moments in the postseason. Um, so I I, I <laughs> this Dodgers lineup is, is insane. And to really think about it, to really contextualize, contextualize this, because the Dodgers have now become this team that, you know, they spend money. They're not afraid to take big risk. They're not afraid to take big swings. <laughs> no pun intended. But they're not afraid to take big swings. And when I look at it, it's so funny because, like, just – a few years ago, literally, literally just a few years ago, a lot of people used to criticize the Dodgers because they were so cheap and so frugal with their money. You know, they would the Dodgers a few years ago, they would try to they really valued, um, you know, keeping prospects, grooming prospects, trying to develop their farm system. So they would be very frugal with money. I remember when the Dodgers, they traded for Manny Machado uh, for a playoff run. They traded for Manny Machado. The fall, you know, going into the offseason, they didn't want to resign him. And then, and then that's how Manny Machado ended up as a Padre because the Dodgers didn't resign him. But the Dodgers, like like so many people used to be used to be so critical of the Dodgers because they didn't take big swings. But now <laughs> that's all they do. That's all they do. That that's they that's all they do is write big checks now. Um Mookie Betts, he got paid, obviously. I think he got what? He got paid 342 million. Obviously, like I said, Trevor Boward, um, you know, he won National League MVP and they paid him. They made him a very rich man. Like now, once again, Trevor Bauer probably won't ever play in the MLB again due to his situation with the domestic violence case um, or the, you know, the the, the, the stuff that he has uh, upon him. But the Dodgers as a whole has turned into this team that is willing to spend big money and they have so much money where. They can afford to, you know, sign a bad contract and they can basically put good money over top of bad money because they have so much money and so much flexibility where they can sign a bad contract or two and they have so much flexibility with the money and the capital that they have. They can overcome that. Now, a small market team can't do that. A small market team, if a small market team sign a bad like a ridiculously bad contract it's no way they can cover that up but the dodgers can literally cover their flaws up and you know i'm looking at the dodgers uh i before the season i picked them 
to um win the I picked them to to win the National League. So I picked them to get back to the World Series. Now this year, like I said, now this year they've had a lot of different circumstances. They've had injuries. Like I know Bellinger, he's been hurt. I know Mookie, he missed some time. Um, I think I think Seager may have missed some time as well. Uh, so and their rotation has been their 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 bullpen has been wildly inconsistent this year. So the Padres and the Giants, both teams have really given the Dodgers fits this year. But with the latest moves for the Dodgers, this really, really puts them in 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 tip top shape to really repeat as not only National League champions, but World Series champions. I mean, you get like you're getting like Max Serger, you're getting a eight-time all-star, a three-time Cy Young winner. You're getting a guy who 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 on his best day can throw steamers better than anybody else in the league. So I, I you know, I think the Dodgers, they're set for another World Series run if they can stay healthy, I feel like. All right, so um Let's move on to NBA draft. The NBA draft was last night. Uh, I want to go over a couple of team picks that I saw that I, I found interesting. Um, I gave you guys my top three picks. That Now, I kind of figured Kay Cunningham would go number one. But for my money, like I said, I gave you guys my opinion, my take. I thought Jalen Green should have been the number one pick. Let's leave her here there. I'm not mad that Kay Cunningham went number one. But K. Cunningham did go number one to the Pistons. Uh, Jalen Green went number two to the Rockets. Uh, Evan Mobley went number three uh, to the Cavaliers. So as we, as I, as I predicted, the top three would be Jalen Green, K. Cunningham, uh, and Evan Mobley, or you know, Cunningham, Green, Mobley. Right? That's how it was. That's how it played out. Um, now it the draft kind of got a little. It got a little shaken up, and it threw a little twist in there at four when the Raptors decided to go Scotty Barnes. And they decided to go Scotty Barnes, and I was a bit taken aback. I was very surprised that they went this route, but I actually liked the fit of Scotty Barnes in Toronto. And and, and Scotty Barnes, I, like at Florida State, I liked his game. I, I didn't like the fact, like, for, for just for my preference, he, he doesn't put the ball, like, he doesn't score enough for me offensively. He just doesn't put the ball in the basket enough, because and that's the name of the game. But, but Scotty Barnes does a lot of the other stuff that you really need to win games. He does a lot of the other stuff that will contribute to winning basketball games. Um, and I and I, I'm 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 really I really like this pick because I'm looking at Scotty Barnes and his defensive versatility, and I'm thinking about what the Raptors what they what they model themselves at like the Raptors under Nick Nurse, they're a defensive oriented team, uh, and Scotty Barnes fit that mold. Uh, he fits he, he, yeah he fits into I, I feel like he's gonna fit into that culture that Nick Nurse and the Raptors have. Their, you know, their roster, you know, they got Fred Van Vliet. They have Siakam for now. They got guys like OG Ananobi. They they have some good pieces on their roster. Gary Trent Jr. 
I, I, I'm just, I, I, I hope the Raptors, and I think they will because they have a smart front office and, and Nick Nurse, he seems like a, a pretty competent coach, definitely. Uh, one, you know, one of the high-end coaches in basketball. So I do think they're going to have a defined and specified role for Scotty Barnes um, to thrive under. But a team like the Magic, I, the next pick after that, they took Jalen Suggs. And I don't know if I'm necessarily – I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about either the Magic picking Suggs at five. I feel like this. Suggs is one of those players. He's not a generational talent at all. Um, he's he's not really eye popping athletic. Suggs does a, like a lot of the stuff that Jalen Suggs brings to your team, or he's gonna bring to your team. It's stuff that you really can't measure. Like, he's a fearless competitor. Um, he plays with a certain toughness. Like, he played football in high school. So, he brings that football mentality to the basketball floor, which translates to, like, him being tough, which I like. But I kind of feel like Suggs, and I want, and, 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 I don't want to. I don't want people to take this out of context because I think Suggs is a good prospect, but he. I feel like he's more of a beneficiary. He was he, like at, at Gonzaga. Gonzaga had a really good team around him, um, like a really like they had a they had a lot of talented guys around him, but I feel like he was a he, he was a beneficiary of being around a supporting cast. He was a beneficiary of that supporting cash. I feel of, of that supporting cast in at Gonzaga, and I felt like in order, in order to get the most out of Jalen Suggs, you have to surround him with really good players, a team that has some uh, some foundational pieces, and a team like the Raptors. Were, were, were I thought would have been an ideal fit, but Orlando they had first they're heavy at the guard position. They got Markel Falk. Um, they have Michael Car they have Michael Carter Williams. They have Cole Anthony that they drafted last year. They have R.J. Hampton. So they're really deep at the guard position, and I see with this with this panning out with Jalen Suggs. I see a guy. I see a bunch of guys in a in a team just a full, full of young guys because they're obviously rebuilding, trying to find some type of footing within the league, and I'm not sure if that's necessarily the right like the right situation for Suggs. I felt like a guy like Suggs could have benefited from a team like the Raptors, with a team that's already has some foundational pieces. They got some cornerstones, and I felt like they were better coach. They're better managed. He needs to go into the situation almost that's kind of ready-made, right? And like I said, don't take that out of context. I think Suggs is a really good prospect, but he can improve on his three-point shooting. Um, Like the outside shooting is a concern, but if you watched him at Gonzaga – 
if they were to win a game and he had a bad game, that his bad game wouldn't get talked about because they won the game. You know what I mean? So I I, I feel like I, I think I don't know how I, I don't I don't know if I like that fit with with Orlando and Jalen Suggs, but we'll see how it work how it looks. I think the Dun the, the Thunder they did a pretty good job. Uh, Josh Giddy I like. Um, I, people people slept may may sleep on this. But the Hornets at 11, drafting James Booknight, I like. I really like James Booknight. You know, he's one of the best. I don't think he's the best scorer in this draft, but he's one of the better isolation scorers in this draft. And I'm looking at that, that Charlotte squad. They got some. They got a bunch of athletic freaks with, you know, P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges. Uh, obviously, Lamelo is going to be that guy that they, you know, built their team around ultimately. But a guy like James Booknight really gives them some scoring punch. Um, I like, so I, I like that. I, I really like that pick for the Hornets. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I also like the, I like the pick from the th- for the Nets. The Nets, the Nets pick was really good. Cameron Thomas. I thought Cameron Thomas was probably the most polished, like the most pure and polished skilled score in this draft. I mean, I like it. I like that pick. I like I, I like the pick. I like that pick very much. Uh Jason Preston, you know, he got traded to the Clippers, but he was drafted by Orlando. I like that move for the Clippers. There were there were some really good picks um from the draft last night. But uh I'ma move on. I I I wanna unveil it's not this is not my quarterback's tier list, but it's a quarterback's tier list that I came across that I really like. And it seems like it's really on point. And I think this is really gonna give us a true this I'm gonna cap off, I'm gonna end the episode um after this segment or with that segment about these quarterback tiers, I think this will give us a true perspective going into the NFL season where these quarterbacks rank. All right. So as I was saying, um, Mike Sando, um, he puts together these quarterbacks tiers lists and he, he gets these GMs, executives and coaches and so forth around the league. And he basically, he lays out the tier criteria that he has. Uh, there's four tiers, and he gives the criteria for each one. And I, I think I, I think this might be – so this is my second time seeing Mike Sando's uh, quarterback tier list. I think I saw his tier list last year, and we talked about it, and I kind of developed my own tier list. But I'm going to do it – I'm going to just use his tier list, and I'm going to see which ones I agree with. And I think also when I – when certain teams, when certain fans of teams talk to me about their quarterback, they try, they always just you, they always try to oversell me on their quarterback usually. So we'll see where some of these guys rank, and I, I think for the most part, I'm gonna agree with a lot of these. But so that, like I said, there's four tiers, and tier one basically, tier one basically means this quarterback 
can carry his team consistently every week, and the team literally wins because of him. That's tier one. That's the top tier. Tier two is a quarterback who can carry his team but not as consistently as the quarterbacks in tier one, but he can carry his team. But there's usually a weakness that holds him back from being in tier one, Um, you know, or, you know, uh, uh, he needs a receiver or, you know, something to that magnitude. Then tier three, the quarterback is a legitimate starter, but he he really needs a strong supporting cast. So that can be um, a really good defense or that can be a, a really a, a brilliant offensive minded coach. That can be a great running game. That can be a, like a litany of great receivers. Legitimate starter, but he needs a lot to go his way in order for him to be successful. And then in tier four, it's either a quarterback who is unproven that has, you know, some upside, some some really good traits, or a veteran who is at this point of their career probably a backup, right? So that those are the descriptions of the tiers. And I'm a I'm a read off who he has at tier one. And Mike Sando at tier one, he has Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. I have no problems with this tier one list. Um, yeah, I have no problems with this tier one list. Some people may make the argument for Josh Allen. I think the thing with Josh Allen is, and I'm not saying, and, and he could very well by the end of next year uh, or by the end of this year, I should say, he can be on this tier one list. But I feel like with the emergence with, you know, they the Bills went out and got Stefan Diggs. Sean McDermott looks like one of the better young coaches in football. Brian Dayball looks like one of the best offensive coordinators in football. So the supporting cast is really strong. And you can make the argument that Mahomes has that, you know, a very similar situation, if not better. But Mahomes, you can he carries. You, you, you can tell he can carry. We saw it in the Super Bowl, right? But so this tier one list, I'm not mad at all. The quarterbacks at tier two, Josh Allen, he's at the top of the list. That's So that's a note. That's a key. He's at the top of the list for tier two. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, and Joe Barrow. So that that that's the tier two list, and I agree. Um, yeah, I agree with this tier two list. Allen, Lamar, Stafford, Prescott, Herbert, Matt Ryan, Mary, Tannehill, and Burrow. I agree. Um, I think the tier the guys at the bottom of the tier two list, like Kyler Mary, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, we have seen flashes. Obvious, and, and, and it, I think this 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 is why I like this tier list because it's it so fits the descriptions of this of these quarterbacks because all of these guys that I named in tier two, they can carry their teams, 
but they have weaknesses in their games. In some form or fashion, they, they have weaknesses in their games or they're just very young. Um, Like in Justin Herbert's case, he's just very, very young. So to put him at tier one would just be such a, a, a huge leap. But he's very young. But I think if you have a quarterback in tier one or in tier two, I think you can win a Super Bowl with those with a tier one or tier two quarterback. Now, the guy, the last three at the bottom, I'm not sure if you can win a Super Bowl with those three at the bottom, which was Kyler Murray, Tannehill, and Joe Burrow. I don't know yet. Give me, give me, give me, give me some more games of Murray. Give me some more games of Burrow. I'm not sure if you can win a Super Bowl with Tannehill, but he's a really good quarterback. Now, I'm going to give you guys tier three. Tier three includes Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Daniel Jones. Tier three, this is probably the most controversial quarterbacks within the league because some of these guys may fool you as tier two quarterbacks. Like Ben Roethlisberger, at this point, Ben Roethlisberger is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but at this point of his career, he is a tier three quarterback. Like he can't carry his team at this point. He need he's a legit he's a starter, but he needs a strong running game, a a strong offensive line along with a defense. So I think th- this and this is where fans get tricky, because a lot of a lot of you fans like Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. And I think Derek Carr is really good because he's he's in it and he's at the top of the tier three list. So that's also that's also important to note. He's at the top of the tier three list. But these are definitely guys who can't necessarily carry their teams. And some of them put up really good numbers. Like I'm looking at Derek Carr puts up really good numbers. Kirk Cousins puts up really good numbers. Baker Mayfield last year, he put up good numbers. These guys put up good numbers, but they need a running game. They need a strong supporting, a, a, a strong receiving core. I'm looking at Baker Mayfield. For example, look at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that needs a Kevin Stefanski as a play caller. He needs a strong offensive line. He needs a bow cow or two behind him. He needs a really good receiving core. So I'm not mad at this list at all. I think Carson Wentz, a couple years ago, you could have said he was a tier two quarterback. But as much as I like Carson Wentz, I can't. You can't look at his recent performances and say he's a tier two quarterback or he belongs to be in that tier two that tier two group because he just. I mean, the production just isn't there. Just isn't there with this past season that he had. You can't say he's a tier two quarterback. So tier three, I like. You know, you look at some of these guys, they have limitations. I think they have limitations. All of these guys have limitations in some form or fashion. Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones. They all have limitations or like 
major, major weaknesses in their games. Like Daniel Jones, he 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 has a turnover problem. Daniel Jones has a turnover problem. He 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 can't he can't res, he can't restrain himself from turning over the football. He's led the league in fumbles. He's had he he's had eighteen fumbles in the last two seasons. That's the most by any quarterback. So that tier three list, I agree with. And here goes tier four: um, Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, uh, Andy Dalton, Tua Tagovailoa, Drew Locke. Oh well, Jalen Hurts, Drew Locke, Tyrod Taylor, Taysom Hill, and Joe Flacco. That's tier four. I don't, I don't think there's much to argue with there. Sam Donald is important to note that Sam Donald is at the top of tier four. So could he work his way into being a tier three quarterback um, by the end of this year? I think that's, I think that's very possible, given the fact and looking at the weapons that he has in Carolina. But to this point. Darnold hasn't shown me enough and hasn't shown enough where we can put him in tier three. But I, but out of all these tiers, I think tier three is the most controversial tier as far as how to rank these quarterbacks because a lot of these guys in tier three, they either have had, they either have put up really good stats over the years or they've had breakout years which led to a playoff run or a Super Bowl run so Derek Carr over the last couple years he's put up really good numbers Kirk Cousins over the last couple years he's put up really good numbers Carson Wentz from time to time when healthy he's put up some decent numbers but you look at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo um Baker Mayfield uh, Jared Goff, these guys, you know, Baker Mayfield, he got to the AFC divisional round last year, you know, but Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, both of those guys have gotten to Super Bowls. So I feel like those are so controversial because sometimes fans can't get past certain things. And some of these guys may mask as tier two quarterbacks, but ideally they're tier three quarterbacks. So I really like this list. I like I like I like this tier program, um, this tier structure that Mike Sando has come up with. I like it, and I I mean I agree. I for most for the most part I agree with it. Um, I think there are certain guys like like I like I pointed out Josh Allen. He was at the top of the tier two list. So could he work his way into tier one? Yeah. Derek Carr was at the top of the tier three list. Could he work his way into tier two? Possibly. Possibly. I don't think he's going to do that, but it's possible. Um, and like I said, for Sam Donald, I think Sam Donald could could work his way up to tier three if he performs with this roster that he has in Carolina. So um, that's going to do it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. The Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers. The Lakers made a splashy move. Um, yeah, I, you know, you you guys you guys know how I feel about that. You know, you guys know how I feel about the Lakers. I I, I, I do think it's gonna it's gonna regular season wise they're gonna be fine. They're gonna win a lot of games, but in terms of the playoffs, when the game slows down, 
How are they going to look in the half-court set? Who's going to play off the ball? That's where I that's where I worry. And and when you and, and for and for guys for guys trying to change their game. For for instance, Russell Westbrook. I think Russell Westbrook is going to try his hardest to adapt and try to change his game. But when things get uncomfortable, when things get rough, when things get tough, you 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 go back to your your old ways. You go back to your old habits. You go back to your old habits. It's just human nature. When you're trying new things, when you're trying to play a new style, but when things get rough, when things get tough, you revert back to your old ways. You revert back to your old habits. So we'll see how it plays out in L.A. Um, we'll see with whatever pieces they surround this team with. But, you know, they definitely need shooting. And with that, they got to remember that the Lakers, they, they got to remember that they are a team that won a championship because they were defensive oriented. They were a defensive oriented team. That's how they won the championship. Just keep that in mind. But um, with that being said, I'm going to let you guys go. Um, always remember, always remember two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace, deuces. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Saturday episode, the IKP. I will be back um, on Wednesday. You'll hear my voice on Wednesday. But I hope you guys enjoyed. Peace, adios. I'm gone.